Welcome to the Transformation Leaders Podcast. I'm Tony Lockwood and I'm delighted that you could join me on this latest episode. Each episode takes the form of a discussion with a leader who openly shares their experiences of leading organisations through the transformation journey. My guest today is Kurt Hurler, a globally recognised marketer, operator and speaker. He's built and run businesses from startup to over $500 million annual revenue, assembled teams across six continents, been part of a small team leading an IPO and participated in dozens of acquisitions. He advises leaders from startup founders to private equity-backed CEOs to the President of the United States, no less. Kurt serves as Chief Marketing Officer for Showcase IDX, which has helped real estate agents and brokers bring more than 3 million visitors to their websites in the past year. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this episode, as Kurt shares his approach to delivering transformation change within organisations. Let me introduce you to Kurt now. Well, hi, Kurt. Um, welcome to the uh, Transformation Leaders podcast. Uh, I'm delighted that you've been able to join me today. Um, in our discussions offline um, a, a few weeks ago, I was intrigued to learn about your experiences and in, in approach to transformation. I'm looking forward to exploring these areas uh, a little bit further during the show. Um, but before we sort of get into that, um, let's start, as we always do on these, um, tell me a little bit about you and your background and I suppose, how you first got into change and transformation? I kind of stumbled into change and transformation. So uh, I started with companies very early. I actually started two LLCs, two companies in the States uh, when I was 14 because of taxes. But um, when I came out of uh, university, I ended up joining almost was felt like a management consulting company. So I joined a company called Navigation Technologies. It became Navtech. It's now called Here Technologies. And so anybody that has a car navigation system in their car, has used routing for logistics, um, played a video game that's based on a real city, uses the data from that company we ended up taking public. And I didn't know it at the time, but I came out and ended up being mentored by some incredible people where at the time I joined that company in two, uh, in 2000, that was right when, like, a couple, about four or five years before cell phones took off, logistics was a thing. And I ended up being at the center point for like 11 industries where I would walk into a meetings with Siemens VDO that made the car navigation systems for Lexus, walk into a meeting with Bosch that did something similar. And then I would walk into UPS or FedEx logistics with their trucks and then into Microsoft video games with their um, trying to change how they build video games. And so because of that, I was at this linchpin of all these um, industries and mentored by some incredible people, both transforming internal, but also being at the place where so many industries were transforming and being part of that. Wow. Great experience. Great experience. And and, and how do you define the word transformation then? Because it sounds like you've got so many in, that, in those early days, so many experiences and we all have our own definition of the word transformation. How do, how do you define it? It depends on, on the organization. It does have, it is a malleable word. And so for most companies, I think they look at transformation where they, they see technology or they see um, how say maybe content's created in a marketing. They see this massive change happening and they know that they need to change how they've been doing things for five years or 50 years. And I think that's how most companies tend to approach transformation. And that's true. 
Um, I think there's another category where I help with a lot in addition to that first one, and that's companies that are trying to unlock hyper growth. And so you never unlock hyper growth by just trying to grow by 2% or 20% a year. So I'm at my second hyper growth company right now. Lots of companies try it. Almost you never actually do it. But like I'm at a real estate company now, which uses a lot of technology, but they didn't even exist 20 years ago. And they're now the largest independent uh, real estate company in the US and the world. They're operating in 22 countries. They didn't even exist 20 years ago. That's a that's a transformation from an industry perspective with a new company coming in trying to get this this scale and you can you can try to unlock high growth and transform things whether you're a a five year old company or a fifty year old company but you're looking for an inflection point that says how we've been doing things has been good but but we need to find a way or we're trying to find a way to unlock something completely different which is really an inflection point and they're both transformation but you also approach different ways. No, absolutely. And and some of the biggest companies in the world, as you say, haven't been around for 20, 30 years. Amazon, um, you know, it, I was reading something the other day and, and, and it was talking about Uber, biggest taxi firm in the world, but they don't have any taxes, uh, et cetera. Right. There's so many of these new organisations over the last sort of couple of decades that have completely changed the way that we operate on a day-to-day right. basis. And, and it'd be interesting just to explore the, those lessons from those hyper growth businesses that you've been involved in uh, that, you know, you feel that can more established businesses can take advantage of. Can you can you sort of pick up what, two or three of those? Yeah, we can talk about some of those examples. And sometimes you can do the same. You can you can try for both those types of transformation at the same company. And so I mentioned at Navtech, we did this at Navtech where we it really was an automotive company. And so uh, we went public. Uh, when we went public, we uh, we'd had an $880 million IPO. I'd say 90 to 95% of our revenue came from automotive at that point. And so at that point, we, we were having to transform internally. Uh, automotive, there's nothing wrong with it. I actually still love the industry. But even today, it's, it's, it's old and slow. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a reason that people are in, you know, in bringing in uh, more wireless technology, but it's like you want to get a head unit installed in a new Volvo. I mean, that that might be a 10-year a discussion before it actually goes into a vehicle. And so we had to go from a, a company that was built to support those type of organizations to not only bring on new salespeople, but train our, our pricing teams, our legal teams about how to work with the mobile industry. And so we had people that were trying things where they're like, I have an idea for a map. We, we, the first thing we had was for those of us that have a few more years on us, like you and me, like MapQuest back in the day where, um, you know, you were doing routes uh, before we had all on our phones. Well, in that case, um, like they're using our, our data and initially like nobody knew what it was. So we just kind of had a fixed fee price with that. Well, I, I saw where the industry was going and I'm like, this is data is changing. Mobile devices are coming. I'd really rather repay it every time somebody does a route. Yeah. Well, it was a huge transformation internal from a business thinking to expose our, our team to saying, yeah, hey, yeah, we're getting paid large amounts of money internal, what we thought, but to say, look, let's go to a variable model. That's an internal transformation and change management management discussion at a board level well before we could actually go to MapQuest. And so that was you know years ago, back in the day where there used to be a time every time you just looked up a map, we got paid like a tenth of a cent. If you did a route, 
we we got we got paid a tenth of a cent and some maps came with that well that that would that gave us a variable revenue stream where we were able to grow in the industry group but at the same time trying to transform from automotive to just uh deal with new wireless i start, helped spin up the internal skunk works team because it was a large organization so you can do transformation in multiple ways and so part of what the the that separate innovation team was was how do we grow enough revenue that we could put the rest of the business out of the rest of the business out of business yes yeah and when you're a bigger company you can and should be looking at some transformation goals like that whether yeah. it's cost savings or it's new revenue opportunities yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's i think it's google isn't it that has written into people's contracts that 10 or 20 percent of their time should be about focusing upon new things and 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 that that skunk work type of activity really of of uh, you know bringing in that yeah. innovative new products or new new areas to develop really incentivizing that yeah, could, creation. Yeah, I I I like that approach from 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 Google. Um, how they implement it isn't always the best way, in my opinion. It's I mean it, overall, it's been kind of good for them. But there's still, if, you, if you've ever been in the been in the walls of Google, and I've spent quite a bit of time and 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 coached some of the senior senior leaders there, they're very authoritarian. They they lead by authority, and so they give people some of this free time to let these experiments run. And sometimes they end up working really well, and sometimes they don't. But I, I think a different way of approaching that is from a servant leadership approach, where I I, I you should explain to your team whether whether you're a fifty person team or a five thousand person team. You should let them know the outcomes that the company is trying to accomplish. And, and whether it's you give them a, a, a fixed percentage of time or not, you should trust them. And so from the autocratic type of leadership tends to be do exactly what I say in the way I do it, or there's the door. You, you can get out. And then some companies like Google will give you some percent of time to test things. Well, the servant leadership approach takes that much more and says, look, like I'm going to give you this time, but even when it's even when it's on doing exactly what I told you to do, I trust you, Tony, because you're wise. I brought you into the company to do this role, whether you're uh, somebody doing tickets for a customer support ticket, or you're the customer success team manager, or you lead, you're the CTO. I brought you in because you meet some characteristics, and and you're going to make so many micro decisions on a daily basis. Let's look at the outcomes we're trying to accomplish, and come back to us. If you think that there's things we're not paying attention to or the ways we can do that differently, when you create that type of culture, it's not, you don't even have to bring in a transformation consultant like some of us. At that point, you've created a culture where everybody is always looking for new ways to help the company accomplish their outcomes. Yeah. I'm I'm a great believer personally of of, of that outcome focused activity in, 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 in every stage within organization development. Whether, whether you, as you say, whether you are a, a relatively small team in in a relatively low value part of the organisation, if you're managing that team, you, you get far more out of that team if you're clear about the outcomes in Glen and support them, and but let them get on with it and 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 breed that innovation or breed, allow them to right. experience things themselves, rather than being that autocratic. You do it in this way and and. Uh, because fundamentally, let's manage the outcomes and not manage the inputs is 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 is, yeah. a, is a big part of I think what drives that. Well, and when when a company does that, when a company does that, I, I find transformation. It, it not only does it come naturally, it you 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 find better outcomes and you you hit better goals. 
because so often we all have these internal biases that we don't realize or hidden assumptions. I kind of joke, I, I'm, I'm generally wrong about like fundamentally wrong about three things in my business today, like the parts that I have purview over. And I don't know that I'm wrong about them because the, the thing that people don't realize is when you're wrong and when you're right, it feels exactly the same until you actually find out that you were wrong in a thinking. Yeah. And so I like I've been on patent applications where we've changed we've changed like the the last half well last like hundred yards of delivery for logistics for industries because in the milieu of transformation of the technology we came up with, that was a company called Package Room. We came up with a new way for the, like, especially in apartments or office buildings to have open shelves as opposed to lockers. So that when somebody comes in, the delivery person puts down the, the package, we can identify the exact package. And Tony, you can just walk up and grab it. Well, if you look at the, the people that are on the inventors along with me, one of them was our office manager that helped, uh, that, that was also an admin to the CEO. Well, because she was as instrumental in the milieu of the transformation when we were coming through the issues that I felt we should add her as an inventor. And I had to kind of convince some others for that because she she raised questions like we we thought we were right and we were right on a different way of doing things. But she would raise questions about uh, the experience in a way that we never would have come to the change of that technology that not involves cameras, weight sensors, open shelves, security in and out of uh, rooms and stuff. If it wasn't for her and, and, and us being open to allowing her to, to come into that conversation, the product would have been good. It still would have been industry changing, but it wouldn't have been nearly as great as the transformation that we're seeing now, not only with that early stage company, but also now across the industry as it's starting to be implemented elsewhere. Yeah, and it, it is having that within your team, having that personal group of people that are either real customers or, or real clients, mm -hmm. but certainly people that are uh, are in the shoes of the customer, looking at things through the eyes and, and through right. the lens of the user or the customer, isn't it? And I'm sure, as you say, right. you, know, you, you can get caught up in the, the, the technology and what the technology has the ability to do, but if no one's prepared to go up and pick things up and check things it's it, it's 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 a useless technology isn't it and and there's been so many right. examples of things that have been theoretically really innovative but no one's used them or the or what right or, or what 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 it was developed to do in the first place was 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 deemed to be a failure but then someone picked that up and said actually it could be deployed in this area and, and a massive success comes on the second on the second wave. Fascinating, fascinating. So, within those um, transformations that you've been involved in, and, and especially around those sort of fast growth businesses, um, one of the challenges generally in large scale transformations is just keeping momentum over a relatively mm -hmm. long period of time. Do, do you know, within those fast growth businesses. Um, how do you keep the momentum, not necessarily the transformation because there'll be stages, but how do you keep the momentum going, you know, once that once you've gone through the first wave of growth to get to the next wave, to get right. to the next wave? Great, great question. Uh, and great word of momentum. I think you, that's the term that every that needs to be within the organization, uh, because I think too often companies come into and, and, and leaders and especially visionary CEOs, they they make the mistake of thinking we have the solution. We've rolled it out. 
the world should just happen. Like, why aren't we growing at 2000% right now? And, and as opposed to like, all transformation starts with a decision and an initial rollout, but, but you need to keep everybody thinking about that term momentum. And so for me, that ends up happening really in two real ways. And it doesn't matter the industry um, or even the, the technology or not technology. Sometimes we're changing processes from a transformation perspective. It, it comes from uh, product marketing for continuing to market, whether they're externally and you're, you're shaping that experience and especially bringing in the success stories of new users or and as you go continue the transformation the ongoing time i always want to be if i'm two years into a transformation i always want to have real superhero stories from people who have just started to implement the change as well as people that are 12 months 18 months in the transformation and how that's happened right then right now i'm in real estate and so um, while I, I do still do executive coaching, I help with the number, I'm working in a hyper growth company, as I mentioned, that didn't exist 20 years ago. Well, we had some really cool technology we're rolling out, very early stage, patent pending. But the biggest movers right now are actually something just around referrals, something that's kind of unsexy in a lot of ways. It's, an, it's one agent within the same brand wanting to make a referral to another agent. Well, we looked at it and we were like, well, it's just taking those agents up to 45 minutes to make a referral where it should just be, hey, Tony, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you this, this client. It's going to be a good business. You can help solve their problems if they choose to work with you and we both make money. And, and there's a lot more to it, but the client's always in the end of the, uh, the end. That's just 45 minutes. Well, we came up with an internal technology to take that down to 45 seconds or less to make that introduction and, 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 and broker that deal. That's huge. But I have, I have tens of thousands of referrals that have already taken place on that platform, and I rolled it out in March. I'll do you know twenty to thirty thousand within this first year. My numbers should be way higher at this internal tool we're rolling out, but it's only from now telling the stories repeatedly, not of hey the forty five minutes to forty five seconds. It's of I've done this before. How it gets adopted more throughout the organization, and perhaps it goes industry wide, is I don't tell what the technology does. I tell how it's transforming the individual people's lives. Yeah. Some cases, it's an individual agent with an individual referral. And it's also coming out and like, I have a story where somebody came to us proactively, which is where you have to go ask for permission. And they went, I was about to sign a multi-thousand dollar contract just to pay like a DocuSign to manage stuff that we were doing this manually. Can I really do this for just in the internal tools? Yeah. And then the follow-up was, can I can I go share this testimony and go kind of go share this story? Uh, you know, throughout the wider organization. So it's building momentum, but by knowing, hey, look, you're just by rolling out the solution, the transformation, the technology. That doesn't. That's not how you get the growth. You're gonna get. You're gonna hit your peak level, the maximum value in the transformation by launching it and looking for momentum over time. At some point, it will cap out. But 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 it's always way longer period than what that visionary CEO will think. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think, as you say, having those mini wins and keep communicating those mini wins and also accepting that people move along that journey at different speeds um, and everyone goes through that change, um, that change curve. Um, so I was starting to think in terms of that example you were just saying about that, the new technology to, for those referrals. If people are used to working and it's taking 45 minutes, and you're saying I can do something a lot quicker than that, 45 seconds. A lot of people will right. go, "Whoa, 
that's not for me. And and you've got to overcome that because right. through that that change curve and, and some people will move that through that a lot quicker. But what tends to happen, what I find, is, is that people move through that change curve a lot quicker when they can see other people have done it. So you get that first movers right. and then you get your people that actually, yeah, it does, it does work, doesn't it? Let, let's quickly right. move on. And it's that, and it is that yeah. learning from people doing and communicating those successes, isn't it, that keeps that momentum going? Yeah, that, that very much applies in both things that are kind of tackling older problems, but just like with, with a transformation where we're bringing in a digital digital tool with to do things and, and applies even that much more where um, I mentioned this patent pending technology that we're building. I wish that I had seven words or 17 words that I could say and and all of the potential customers would just understand it, but but I don't. And so I've got some massive success stories internal. And so as we're progressively rolling it out, Part of my challenge is then trying to find those 17 words, like it's industry changing technology. And so there's not something I can point to that says it's just like this, or here's seven other companies we've done this with. And so my customers, as I'm getting their success stories, I'm actually working both testing language with them to explain it to the wider masses, as well as hearing from them how they're trying to explain it to others. And so to, to get to something that's truly like blue ocean different, you have to you have to find the verbiage for that, 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 that not just the common like man or woman, but the common man or woman in any different customer type. Even mm -hmm. if your company solves a solution for certain tech, a certain industry for companies 50 to 100 million in sales, there's still a lot of different types of customers in there, early adopters and laggards. And you need to find the messaging, especially for new transformations that, that people are going to understand. And your early adopters will help you with that. But you need to you actually need to plan and rolling it out progressively so that people understand it. You mentioned Uber earlier. Like, yeah, Uber, we're all aware of now and Lyft. But the first one that really did that in the States was a small company called Sidecar mm -hmm. in San Diego area that like no, the common person has no idea who they were. And even today, like they kind of had a little run for things. Well, they were new. And it's like it doesn't. If you come up with the coolest idea that could transform an industry or company, if you don't have that right wording or you don't stage your transformation, your rollout properly, it's going to fail. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, there are so many examples where the really great ideas, the people that come up with the ideas and go and try to launch it, run out of money, run out of energy, et cetera, et cetera. And it's the second mover advantage that picks it up and runs with it and, and, right. and makes a success of it. What, one of the things that um, I'm always talking about in these shows is having a North Star, having a vision, having that outcome. Um, and to use your, your satellite navigation um, background, and I use that analogy a lot, you know, you, you, you go in, you set, the, you set your destination, but as you're going along right. that path, it's never a straight path. And you've got to keep, keep a, a understanding what's what's happening in the world, what's happening in your business, and making diversions to ensure that you get to an outcome. What 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 lessons have you got, and can you share in helping people to track the progress and 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 make sure that you are actually ending up getting to the the, the desired outcome or close to, as close to that desired outcome as possible. 
Yeah, great question. I, I think there's a couple different things. One is um, to get momentum, it, it almost always takes longer and more time than what uh, people would like, especially that, you know, kind of sometimes the, the visionaries or sometimes the, the vet venture or private equity groups behind a, behind a company where they're leading the transformation. And so it, it's usually going to take longer than you think, but that's because like you need to get a product, you need to get the tools, the change, whether processes or technology into people's hands. And to your point, see the data. And so um, I like with the navigation example, I kind of give like, I can look at a mountaintop across me right now and I can say, hey, Tony, we're going to go climb to the top of that. Well, we see where we're going to end up to your point, but how we might get there, we might have to change direction a lot as we move, as we move, move through the valley. Well, that's, that only comes from an agile approach. This old style approach of a waterfall, let's plan out the full roadmap for the next 12 months or 24 months. Like, I actually, I do like having a general framework of like, we're going to that mountaintop and here's how we're going to go. But, but I need to acknowledge and everybody, you have to get buy-in and say, look, as we're, as we're building this technology, we're changing the processes. We have some pretty good viewpoints, but we also need to be very okay that the plan in 30 days or in 60 days may look very different than what we thought it was going to look like based on the data. Um, I mentioned on that referral app thing. I mean, we're seeing the results. It, it's incredible watching it happen right now. But like even just yesterday, I was asking with people and they're like, but I thought you said I could search for other agents this way. Well, they were in a different part of the product that has a mini search that not the full search. And like, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have realized it actually, if we weren't having mastermind sessions with agents that are actually using it. And so I find that that value, both the conversation and something like a hot jar or a, a full story that does screen recordings of its technology. Oh my gosh, the most humbling thing for anyone is saying, like, go watch what your users were actually doing in the product. And you realize, yeah, yeah, to your point of navigation, where the, where the destination is, you're going to have to change a lot to get there. So mm-hmm. it takes just time and consistency. And most people don't, they, they want it faster and that's okay. But like that problem is too, they bring in somebody who's a transformation expert, who's done this repeatedly, like people in your community. And they, they have such an appetite for wanting to get to that outcome faster that they get nine months or 12 months into what actually any of us, you or me would come in and be like, they're on a great path. But the CEO or board's like, yep, I'm going to change, change transformation experts because it's not as fast as I want. Where like you or I would go, that's actually incredible and better than you should be planning on. Keep that person. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely, and and I think um, I, I agree that agile approach is is definitely the way forward. But a lot of uh, a lot of leaders, a lot of leadership teams want to see the end to end route and put, put change control around it because they've got a budget, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's it's the ability to break those uh, budgeting cycles or, or sign off cycles into manageable chunks, that as opposed to trying to get from A to B in, in just one group, in, in one jump. I think that's the difference in, in, and um, in, the, in, in the transformations I've been involved in and, and, and people I've spoken to, that when, when you've got a leadership team that is prepared to think in 90 days, you know, 120 day chunks and sign things off on that basis, it, you, can get, you can get to that end point a lot quicker than if you try to spend all the time getting the full route 
from A to B or A to Z or whatever the route is. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I think to be successful leading transformation within uh, within an organization, it, it you have to have the verbiage of being able to speak to the CFO, the 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 the, the, the accountant in the company, and explain to them. Um, like you talk to them in a way where they're hearing ret- risk and return, but on the other side, it's also they care about risk. And so it's being able to talk to them in a way that they're used to seeing in older industries and 30 years ago and go, well, yes, I can give you a two-year roadmap and we can talk through that, but this is our general path that we're going to have going to, going towards that mountaintop or towards the, the address in, in your navigation system. But the chance of doing it that way and finding success, if we follow that, the failure rate is going to be 95%, yeah. as opposed to this is our sketch of how we're going. We agree we're going west, and we're to that's the mountaintop, and we're going to reevaluate that every time. And you, Mr. or Mrs. Um, uh, accountant that's in charge of the checkbook, which is what every board essentially is, is you reframe that conversation for them in terms of you're making an investment to get an outcome. But there's always a risk calculation. And mm-hmm. that old style approach has a very high failure. And our agile approach, it does two things. One is it increases the chance of success by the exact opposite. My agile approach is going to have a success of transformation of maybe 90 to 95%. And as opposed to thinking about KPIs of just the outcome numbers, hey, look, what we actually want to track that's going to tell us what we're getting there is not, say, the number of leads. We're going to track leading indicators and you reframe from very beginning for them that, yes, here's the outcomes we want, but those outcomes at the numbers you want are going to happen out maybe years in, in the future. But you, you can still know, are we on track towards that by leading indicators? And it takes a lot of time to walk somebody through what the leading indicators are and where they're going to end up at. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of times that, investment in taking the leadership team through that process in that thought process um is is massively undervalued and and and, uh, and just not done because the focus always is on the the business and the organization and what we need to, them to do and all, a lot of the time it's what we need the leadership team to be doing isn't it that's the, that is the key so um and it's an easy conversation. It's an easy conversation that I think too many transformation leaders are scared of having. Like they they consider the 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 woman or man holding the checkbook. They kind of almost consider them enemy. When opposed to you, just need to you need to learn how to have a conversation with them. I, I speak with my spouse differently than I speak with my best friend sometimes. And um, you know, I'll, I'll razz my best friends. I'll you know, and I, I will I won't talk to my wife that way. And so, like every accountant, every CFO of a public company. If you ask them about if they're in an inventory business, you can ask them about leading inventory, leading indicators that's going to show that they won't have enough inventory on the shelf to complete sales in the retail outlets. And they'll go, they'll, they can just rattle off the leading indicators that say that they would look at and that they can audit and go, well, that's what we're going to do with this internal system as well. And you have to draw that connection for them. And when you invest that time up front, you realize they're not your enemy. They're your ally. And when I when I've taken the time to do that, I actually find out that my budgets usually increase because they have faith in the leading indicators and they don't feel like we're arguing all the time. I've let them know up front and I've let them push back and argue and say, yeah, but I don't agree with that leading indicator. Okay, well, let's have that conversation. Brilliant. I love that. Love that. 
Um, so um, just coming towards the end, um, every transformation, small, large, um, traditional business, new business, can can be stressful for, for people. Um, so one of the questions that we ask often is, what do you do to alleviate stress? And and for those, obviously, a lot of this is a lot of the people that be watching this or listening to this will be doing it through a podcast medium as opposed to video. And I can see where you're sitting at the moment. And I don't think you could get stress where you're sitting at the moment. <laughs> um, but what do you do to alleviate your stress? I a few things. So I in, I kind of actually do three things. One is I do take time for intentional rest. It goes in my calendar for my family as well. And you have to plan for that because those of us that are doing big things, we get passionate about it. If you don't intentionally rest, you're not going to rest. Um, but I also, I'm involved in two two different types of communities that are very healthy for me. Um, the first is I have a, a small group of, in my case, men around me that know everything kind of work-wise and personal-wise and faith-wise that are going on with me. I, I do happen to be friends with most of those, but but the goal is not friendship. The goal is transparency about the struggles that we're all going through so that we can we can talk to each other about that. And the second part is very business focused. I have other transformational leaders and like a community like you lead and pull together that um that I have. And I think that's so important for people that in transformation, we're always dealing with the ethereal. And so not everybody is able to either one, understand the chaos that that sometimes feels like, or the struggles of talking with leadership and being in a community of, in my case, I've got, I've got a group of people that I can go to. Um, and what I'm so interested that we're talking about, and I'm going to actually going to look at your communities as well is being able to speak to people that are exactly like me, either in my industry and others is actually been hugely valuable for me keeping motivated myself because it's very healthy for me and keeps me motivated when I may be down because I came out of a very difficult discussion with a senior leadership team and I, and, and you're in that same frame, or you can, you can empathize because you were there two months ago with the client. No, and I think that is so powerful. And, and as you say, you know, the, the transformation leaders home, which is the community I, I, I set up. Um, it was one of the catalysts for doing it was exactly that. Um, any leader, whether you're a CEO, CFO, or leading a big transformation, can be a very lonely existence um, because you don't want yep. to show to the wider team your vulnerabilities. And sometimes you do need to show those vulnerabilities and, and have someone that, as you said, was there two weeks ago, three months ago, and, and just to talk to them. They're not going to give you answers or whatever, but the fact that you're now not on your own and you can share those experiences and make them probably a little bit lighter and et cetera, et cetera, is so valuable. Um, and, 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 and I think is, is, is critical for the mental health of people and, and, and stress. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, it's great to, to hear that you've, you've got that network as well that you, that you, uh, you utilise. So just we, we end these um, uh, podcast uh, um, sessions with one final question. It's always the same question. But if you can sort of pull everything together, all your experiences together into one key lesson, what would that be? What's the one thing that you would leave uh, our listeners with today? You're doing transformation because you're really good at finding solutions and changing things. But kind of touch on it is that 
there are still several things you're wrong about right now. And, and that every day you should be looking and asking the questions about what, what you might be wrong about. Because if you can, if you can identify that six months earlier, you have just compressed the time for both you as individually as a change act, but also for the whole organization. And so being open to, I might be wrong. I don't need to dwell on it. I just, I want to, I, I want to ask that question a little bit and let my teams know that we're asking that question because we're wrong about something. We just need to figure it out sooner. No, great, great one. And, and interestingly enough, um, it, it reminded me, I, I'm doing a, a piece of work with a, a large um, chemical manufacturing business at the moment. And every formal meeting, the first five minutes of every meeting is a safety moment. We talk about safety because it's such a critical part. And I was on a, I was on a call earlier on this week, and the safety moment was about uh, blind spots in vehicles. And, 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 yeah. and it, they put this, they, they put this uh, diagram up showing you, your, you know, what, what, where a blind spot typically is in a, in a vehicle. And I, I've taken that because I'm going to use it all the time because exactly what you've just said, it's being clear and, and thinking about if you're going down this road through your transformation, think about your blind spots and think about what's going to come and hit you or stop you or slow you down. The more you can think about it and challenge that, the, the quicker you'll actually get to your destination. Absolutely. Well, Kurt, that's really great. Thank you very much for your time. Um, it's been a delight to, to have you on the show. Hopefully you found it of interest. If, if people want to reach out to you, um, what's the what's the best way of doing that? My personal website is my hub that splinters off to anything else. So Kurt, K-U-R-T-U-H-L-I-R.com. Uh, there's a bunch of free materials on there for people about change management, transformation, and servant leadership that we talked about. Well, thank you very much. Um, I'll put those. I'll put that link in the show notes. Kurt, once again, thank you so much for your time and energy throughout this episode. There are a few nuggets that I'm going to go and implement immediately, so I'm sure there'll be many elements our listeners can take from this show. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We are always interested in hearing from you. What do you find useful from this pod? What do you want us to explore more in the future? Please do press the subscribe button. It helps us to reach more people and share the experiences of all my guests. The Transformation Leaders Hub community offers a variety of benefits for individuals looking to develop their leadership skills and drive positive change in their organizations and communities. Here are some of the main benefits of joining. Number one, access to exclusive content. As a member, you'll, be, you'll have access to a wealth of resources, including exclusive content, expert-led workshops, webinars, and more. Two, professional development. Our community is designed to support your personal and professional growth, offering opportunities to learn new skills, gain valuable insights, and connect with like-minded individuals. Number three, networking opportunities. Connect with other change and transformation leaders from a diverse range of industries and backgrounds and build relationships can, that can help you drive positive change in your organization or community. Number four, a supportive community. Our community is welcoming and supportive space for individuals to share their experiences, exchange ideas and learn from one another. And finally, inspiration and motivation. Interact with other change and transformation leaders, share your experience and draw inspiration and motivation 
from the successes and challenges of others. By joining the Transformation Leaders Hub community, you'll have access to all of those benefits and more. You'll be part of a community that is dedicated to driving positive change and then transforming the world through effective leadership. Sign up today. So with that, thank you for joining us today on this podcast. I'll see you very soon. Bye for now.